I turned nine the year that everything changed for my family. Summer vacation was about to come to an end. While I was bummed to have to go back to school, I was looking forward to starting the fourth grade. I didn't know who my teacher was going to be yet, but it was going to be my very first year in the upper grade, so I would be able to have recess and lunch with the fifth and sixth graders instead of the first and second graders. I was a little bit nervous, but since there were only two fourth grade teachers, I had a 50-50 chance of landing in class with at least some of my friends. Even though we technically lived in a big city, there are parts of it that are kind of rural and out there, which is where I happen to live. So I really don't get to see my friends over the summer vacation. I miss them, so when September came around, I didn't mind so much going back to school because then I would get to see my friends every day. This particular summer was different than the ones before it. It was the first time that my dad wasn't around. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I love my dad, but at the time, it was for the best. It was the first time in a long time that the house was quiet and peaceful. It was the first time ever that it had just been me and my mom. You see, my dad, he kind of gets into these moods and he just starts yelling. And it's so loud sometimes. Because of where we live, there aren't people or neighbors close enough to ever hear it when he starts a shouting match. Well, I guess it's kind of not a match. A match would mean two people were shouting and it was always just him shouting at my mom. Sometimes me, but mostly my mom. And it seems like no matter what my mom says or does, it only served to make it worse. He would turn into a completely different person, a person that I just don't even know or recognize. And there's no calming him down. There's no soothing his rage. It's like a storm, like one of those that forms out in the middle of the ocean that just keeps growing bigger and stronger, that won't let up or slow down until it hits land. That storm that just won't die until it destroys everything in its path. And in my dad's case, that would be my mom. There were times when I thought that he was going to kill her. There were times when I thought that he almost did. Because she would just lay there and not move, afraid to even breathe. It was really one of her only defenses. It was one of the ways that she would be able to get him to stop. To just be perfectly still. That maybe if my dad thought that she were unconscious or even dead, that he would back off. And he would. I don't know if he'd back off because he was afraid that he had gone too far or if he backed off in order to admire his own handiwork. 
My mom did everything that she could to protect me. But in order to do that, she had to sacrifice herself. My dad could never be calmed or satisfied until he dropped her, until she crumpled to the ground, until he silenced her. Only then would he feel content to move on, to go away, just like that storm. I don't think that he knew I could see him, that I watched him. Everything that he did to her, I watched him. From a tiny sliver of a blind spot in the upstairs hallway, I could quietly stand there really still and see his reflection in a mirror that my mom had hung in the hallway. It was just at this perfect angle. And I could watch him. Every time he would pull her arm or yank her hair or rip her clothing, every shove, every slap, every punch, every kick, my mom did everything that she could to stifle her cries because it would only make him angrier. It would only make him worse. Even though my dad put everything he had in him behind every blow that he landed, he was smart about it and careful, making sure that his hardest hits were to her body and her ribs, her back, her legs. It was really difficult to be powerless to do anything to stop him, to have to stand by and watch, to be unable to go down there and get between them. But my mom told me, she demanded of me that I never, ever come down the stairs, that I never try to come between them because it would only make him angrier and make everything that much worse. I didn't understand, but I had to listen to her. I was so afraid that if I did do something that he didn't like, that he would hurt her even more. It's a helpless feeling to be powerless to do anything. My dad would always be in the living room. There was no way for me to sneak out of the house. From the upstairs window, there wasn't any way for me to climb down or call out for help. The phone was in my mom's room, and my dad always made sure to take the one in the kitchen off the hook. All I could do was watch and listen and pray. Everything changed on the last day of school, back in June of that year. My friend was going to have a pool party after school that day. I was invited, and some of the moms decided to get together after we got dropped off at the party to go out for an early dinner that afternoon. And then when they were finished, they would come and pick us up that evening. You see, my dad was a truck driver. It wasn't one of those kinds of truck driving jobs where he would have to travel far or to be on the road for days at a time. It was mostly local stuff, but he still worked long days. His company was also pretty busy during the summer months, so he would be gone most of the time. But on that day, 
the last day of school, the day of the pool party, he just so happened to be off work early. And I don't really know what he was thinking or what he had in mind, but when he arrived home and found that we weren't there, he hit the roof. He started calling around, trying to find out where we were at, but he wasn't able to get a hold of anybody. So my dad got into his car and he drove over to our closest neighbors, Jerry and Bobby. They were a little bit older than my parents. They were retired and they were home a lot. Really nice people. And they had become friends with my parents. Well, at least with my mom. I did know that my mom had secretly confided in Bobby about the problems that she'd had with my dad. That my dad had a really bad temper and that he sometimes hit her. I think my mom tried to hide that from Bobby. But Bobby, she was pretty intuitive. She could tell that my mom was holding back some of the details. And while my dad mostly tried to make sure he didn't leave any visible marks on my mom, there was at least one time that I knew of where he had caused her to have a black eye. My mom was supposed to give Bobby a ride to the dentist the next day, and she didn't want to cancel. Bobby was having a procedure done, and she couldn't drive herself, and my mom promised to be there for her. So she tried packing on a whole bunch of makeup to cover her injury, but Bobby could tell. She knew that my mom had a black eye, and she knew that it was my dad that gave it to her. One thing my mom is, is a terrible liar, so she didn't even try. Bobby told my mom to go to her house if my dad ever hurt her or threatened her, but I knew that my mom wasn't going to do that. She didn't want to drag anybody else into her own problems, and she certainly didn't want to put anybody else in my father's path, especially because my dad also owned a handgun. While my mom didn't think that my dad would ever use it on her or me, she was afraid that he wouldn't hesitate to use it if he ever felt threatened. Bobby's husband, Jerry, was a pretty rugged and tough man. He was a retired police officer and he had guns of his own. The fact of the matter is, men like my dad, men who hurt women and threaten their wives and their children, they're cowards. Men like my dad don't ever want to get into a face-to-face -face confrontation with somebody their own size, with somebody who can match their strength. If my mom tried seeking refuge at Jerry and Bobby's, she feared that my dad would show up with his gun and hurt, even possibly kill somebody. So my dad, in a blind rage, went over to Jerry and Bobby's to see if they knew where me and my mom were at. And just like my mom had predicted, my dad had his gun on him. Jerry tried talking to my dad. He tried calming him down while Bobby told him, yes, we know where they went, that one of my classmates was having an end-of-the-year pool party at their house, that it wasn't a big deal that my mom was with me and that we would be home as soon as the party was over. But that just wasn't good enough for my dad. 
His anger had just taken over. He was so out of control. And it was because he needed to be in control. To this day, I don't understand it. Why my mom and I couldn't do anything without his approval or his permission. I guess that's just kind of normal for a person like my dad. I don't even know if I knew back then what normal even was. At the time, it was all I knew. That was my normal. I figured maybe everybody's dad was like mine. Jerry tried to get my dad to calm down. Bobby explained to him where we were, and just as my dad was about to get back into his car and tear out of the driveway, Jerry stopped him and told him he has got to settle down. He cannot get on the road like that. He can't drive in this state of mind. That if he wanted to go over there and to pick me and my mom up at the pool party, that would be fine. But to just let him drive him over there. Reluctantly, my dad agreed. But when he got into Jerry's car, before my dad sat down, he pulled his gun out of his waistband and held it in his lap. And Jerry told him we can't be driving around with him having a gun in his hand. That he also didn't want him going over to somebody's house armed with it either. And he just asked my dad if he could please just put it in the trunk, at least in the glove box. Thankfully, my dad agreed and he put the gun underneath some papers inside Jerry's glove box. Jerry took his sweet time driving over to my friend's house in order to give my dad a chance to cool off before they got there. Jerry tried talking some sense into him. He even tried convincing him to just let your daughter enjoy the afternoon with her friends, that it wasn't that big of a deal. Don't go barging into their house like a madman, that he doesn't want to scare everybody. He doesn't want to embarrass his child. Fortunately, back at her house, Bobby was able to call the host of the party ahead of time to give them a heads up that my dad was heading over there. My friend's mom told me that he was on his way, but he was with our neighbor Jerry, which I was really grateful for. My dad is somewhat more reasonable when there are other people around, and this gave me a chance to figure out what to say to my dad. When Jerry and my dad arrived at my friend's house, my friend's mom let me know that he was there, pulling up. I went out the front door and did the best that I could to not be upset or annoyed that he was there, but I was both upset and annoyed. I told him that my mom was running an errand, and as soon as she got back that we would come home. I could tell that my dad was trying as hard as he could to maintain his composure I could see that his jaw was clenched and his veins were popping out of his forehead. He was very, very angry. And I knew that when we got home, my mom and I were going to get it, especially my mom. My dad was able to put on a good show at my friend's house. 
Her mom came outside. She greeted my dad and asked if everything was okay. He explained that my grandma had fallen at her house and we needed to go see her at the hospital. That she was alright, but they had checked her in just to keep an eye on her for the evening. Yeah, my dad, among other things, was also a pretty good liar. My friend's mom expressed her concern and assured him that as soon as my mom got back that she would let her know. I promised my dad that we would be home as soon as possible. My dad just kind of glared at me and he said, okay, Jessica, try not to keep grandma waiting too long, okay? I just nodded. My mom's friend put her arm around me as we walked back inside, but the party was over for me. My mom got back from dinner about a half hour later. I don't know if she sensed that something was wrong or if she just had that intuition, but she knew. We just didn't think that my dad was going to be off work early that day. My mom thanked my friends for inviting me, thanked her mother for having us over. We got into the car and just kind of sat there quietly for a minute. My mom took a deep breath and put her key into the ignition. I finally broke the silence and I told my mom, maybe we don't have to go home. Maybe we could just find a place to stay or we could go to grandma and grandpa's. And she said that she didn't want them in the middle of this either. I said, maybe we could go to a hotel someplace far away. But she said that he would find us and that things would just be worse. Maybe we could go to the police. And my mom said that he would probably kill her. That the best thing for her to do for the both of us was to just go face him. She just had to get it over with. Whether it's now or later, it wouldn't matter. It would be bad either way. She turned the key. She started the car. And we began that long drive home. It really wasn't that long. But it just seemed like it. It was dreadful. And I was terrified. When Jerry took my dad home, they talked. Jerry tried distracting him away from his anger. He tried making small talk. But it wasn't going to do my mom or me any good. My dad just wasn't capable of calming down until he got the chance to explode. Until he had the chance to take his rage out on my mom. Only then did it ever subside. Jerry was very, very apprehensive about dropping my dad back off at home, but there wasn't much else that he could do because my mom had confided in his wife and his wife told him what was going on so he was aware of what was happening inside our house. So they pulled up. Jerry tried giving my dad some sage advice, but... That's always just in one ear and out the other. 
my dad said thanks for the ride and the talk and he got out of the car and went into the house. But in doing so, he forgot his gun in Jerry's glove box. I found out later that Jerry purposely kept my dad busy with the small talk, hoping that he would forget his gun, and it worked. That gave Jerry and Bobby a little peace of mind knowing that my dad no longer had access to a firearm. But, you know, my dad doesn't really need one. He's terrifying with or without a gun. My mom and I got home about 30 minutes after my dad did. We parked the car in the garage and my mom told me to just run upstairs and close my bedroom door. Just don't say anything to your dad. Just listen to her and go. I did half of what my mom told me to do. I did hurry past my dad, who was pacing in the living room. I went up the stairs, but I didn't go into my room. I went into my usual spot so I could see what was happening. As soon as my mom set her purse down, my dad immediately grabbed her by the throat with one hand. He slammed her into the wall and pinned her there. He screamed at her, demanding to know where she was and who she was with. But because of the way that he was holding her, she couldn't speak. As I looked, I could see the fear in her eyes. And if she couldn't speak, I thought that meant that she couldn't breathe either. He squeezed his hand so tightly around her neck, and he wasn't letting her go. It felt like an eternity before he spoke again. You know that I can kill you. You know that, right? With one hand, I can kill you. You make me do these things like this. You just can't help yourself. You have to do these things to piss me off. You're the one who makes these decisions. You have the choice to either make me mad or to not make me mad. Yet for some reason, every time you choose to make me mad. You like having choices? Do you like having choices? If you could choose between you dying first or Jessica dying first, which would you choose? Would you rather watch me kill Jessica or would you rather have Jessica watch me kill you? Squeezing her neck even harder, he said, would you choose to die a slow death like this or would you choose to die quickly with a bullet into your head? And it was at that moment that my dad realized that he left his gun in Jerry's car, which angered him even more. He threw my mom down onto the floor where she was finally able to gasp for air. After yelling a bunch of curse words at her, he finally ordered her to go over to Jerry's house to get his gun. My mom tried talking him into just leaving the gun there that she didn't think it was a good idea to try and wait until things calmed down a little bit, but my dad wasn't listening. My mom continued to plead with him to leave the gun out of it until my dad got so fed up he began heading for the stairs. 
I hurried into my bedroom, but as soon as I shut the door, my dad barged in. He grabbed me by my arm and pulled me back downstairs with him. My mom told my dad to let me go, and she started coming towards him. He threw me down onto the couch, and he raised his hand into a fist and punched my mom so hard that she stumbled backwards and fell into a glass display cabinet, shattering it into pieces, cutting my mom in several places on her back and arms. I went to run over to help her, but my dad grabbed me again. I managed to pull away from him, but when I got loose, the momentum caused me to fall and I landed right into the glass too. I had cuts in glass in both of my hands. We both needed to go to the emergency room, especially my mom because she was bleeding a lot from one of the cuts in her lower back. It was pretty deep, and I was worried. My dad said that if we wanted to go to the hospital, that he would go with us, and we needed to make sure that we kept our mouths shut about what just happened. I told him that I thought my mom was losing too much blood and that we needed to take her right away, and I promised him that I wouldn't tell the doctors or the nurses or anybody anything that this was all just an accident, that this was my fault. And he said, fine, get your mom up and let's go. I grabbed a towel and I tried to apply pressure to the cut on my mom's back. I helped her get up and together we walked towards the garage. My dad ordered us to get into her car because he didn't want his getting messed up because of all the blood. While my dad drove us to the emergency room, he told us exactly what he wanted us to say, that I was helping my mom with some chores and that she accidentally shattered a glass pane on the display case in the living room and that the both of us got cut. When we got there, my dad filled out all the paperwork and they took both me and my mom in right away because of how profusely she had been bleeding. They immediately attended to my mom. She laid down on her side while they worked on her wounds. I was able to stay with her, and luckily my cuts weren't as bad, and I didn't need any stitches or anything like that. The doctor who was helping take care of my mom started to talk to her a little bit and ask us some questions. She asked me if that was my dad out there in the waiting room. I said it was. I could kind of tell that this doctor was thinking about what she was seeing here with me and my mom and my dad out there. Then the doctor asked my mom, why is your husband insisting on being let back here with the two of you? My mom answered that it was probably because he was worried. The doctor said, He's been aggressively impatient and demanding to the receptionist and the triage nurse. Any idea why that may be? Neither my mom nor I had an answer for her. Then the doctor stopped what she was doing and said, Okay, we're just about finished up with what we can fix right here. But do you want to explain to me the injuries to your neck and your face? 
I looked at my mom and I suddenly realized that her face was bruised where my dad had punched her and her neck was dark red where he was choking her with his hand. I could even make out the shape of his fingers that he had pressed into her skin. We were so worried about the cuts that we didn't even realize that she had those marks on her. That in the time that we left the house and got to the hospital that they had materialized. Again, my mom and I both stayed silent. After a moment, the doctor finally said, As a physician who has seen a lot, including this, pointing to my mother's discolored skin, I have to tell you, it almost always gets worse before it gets better. Then the doctor proceeded to inform my mom that because there is suspected abuse going on in the home and it involves a child, that she had no choice but to report this incident to the police. I saw a moment of panic flash across my mom's face, which caused me to momentarily panic too. But then I think it sunk in very quickly that this might actually be the first step in getting ourselves out of this. Within a few minutes, the police arrived at the hospital. They came into the waiting room. They immediately placed my dad in handcuffs and took him outside to their patrol car. An officer came in to talk to both me and my mom. I got really scared, but my mom told me that all I needed to do was to answer the officer's questions and to be truthful. So I did. We both did. Everything just came pouring out of us. My mom cried so much, and I tried to be strong for her. It was hard, but honestly, I was so tired of my dad hurting my mom, it was like I couldn't cry. I didn't even have it in me. It was the first time in my life that I had this power and this freedom to speak the truth about what had been happening, what had been going on inside our house all of these years. My grandma and grandpa eventually arrived at the hospital. They were going to have to check my mom in. Because of the injury on her back, she was going to need a minor surgery to fix an artery that was cut. My dad was in jail, so I was going to stay with my grandma and grandpa for a few days until my mom was ready to come home. It felt really peaceful for once, in a very long time, to not have to worry about my dad hurting my mom. I couldn't wait for her to get home so she could be peaceful with me. When we went to finally pick my mom up, my grandma and grandpa wanted us to go stay with them. My dad was let out on bail, but even though a restraining order had been placed on him to stay away from me, my mom, my grandparents, and our neighbors, Jerry and Bobby, my grandparents were still really worried. But I knew my mom didn't want to go stay with her parents because she didn't want to put them in harm's way. She reassured them that we would be fine 
and that she was going to take measures to secure the house. As soon as we got home, my mom had all of the locks changed and she had an alarm installed. So at night while we slept, if my dad tried to get in, the police would be alerted right away. She also had another telephone line installed just in case my dad did manage to get in and he took the kitchen phone off the hook. There would be a second phone that we would be able to call out for help hidden upstairs. My mom thought about getting my dad's gun back from Jerry, but she didn't think it was a good idea to even have a gun in the house. What if my dad did come inside and she did have the gun? What if he managed to get it away from her? Besides, she wasn't even really sure if she had the nerve to actually shoot him. But our neighbor Jerry also told my mom that if my dad did show up, just call him and he would come over and he'd bring a gun with him. The summer went by pretty quietly. We did find out that my dad had called Jerry and Bobby several times to try and get his gun back, but they tried to tell him that they didn't have it. However, he didn't believe them, but there wasn't really anything that my dad could do about that. He wasn't supposed to have the gun anyway, being out on bail and everything. He wasn't even really supposed to be calling Jerry and Bobby. But my mom did get a phone call, at least one phone call that I knew of, from my dad towards the end of summer. He was being really apologetic. He wanted another chance. He promised that he had changed. He wanted to be a better man, a better husband, a better father, and that he would prove it to her. But because of his arrest, my dad had lost his job with the company that he worked for driving trucks. But he said he was calling because he had a potentially good job opportunity that he had an interview for, but it was in the next state over, so he needed some money to travel there. My mom agreed to give my dad the money so that he could get there. She said that she would leave it out in the mailbox, which was down the road where all the mailboxes for the nearby houses were clustered but she reminded him that he could not come anywhere near our house. After they hung up, I told my mom that I didn't think it was a good idea to give my dad any money, but she figured that if he could get a job out of state, that it would be better for everybody. I still didn't like it, but I understood her reasoning. Another thing that my dad wanted my mom to do was to get his gun back from Jerry. That had been making him really angry and frustrated, but Jerry didn't want to give it to him, thinking that it was a bad idea considering how violent my dad had been and how much the violence had been escalating. But my dad told my mom that if he was going to get back on the road truck driving, especially if he was going to do long distances, and spend nights on the road in the sleeping compartment, he was going to need his gun for protection. My mom said that she would try and talk to Jerry about it, and if she got it, that she would let him know. In the meantime, she said she would put the money in the mailbox in a few minutes and 
he can come by whenever to just pick it up and reminded him again to stay away from the house. After my mom got back from the mailbox, she called and asked if Jerry could come over and he said that he would be able to in a couple of hours, and he did. The two of them were in the kitchen talking about the gun. With my mom explaining to Jerry that my dad was going to be on the road, he was getting a job out of state with a trucking company, and he wanted to bring the gun along with him for protection, but Jerry insisted that he did not trust my dad, that he did not think it was a good idea to turn that gun back over to him, and my mom tried to assure Jerry that my dad wouldn't do anything to her or to me, that we were going to be fine, that it would be better if they just did what he wanted because he was so aggravated over Jerry's refusal to turn over his gun and he wasn't letting it go. And just as they were standing there talking about this, they noticed my dad in the distance walking towards the house. My mom told Jerry, you know what, you better go, you better hurry up and and leave. Jerry hesitated and told my mom, you know that he's not supposed to be here. Let's call the police. I don't think it's a good idea for me to leave right now. But my mom insisted it would be really bad if my dad walked in the door and found Jerry there to just go ahead and leave. It would be all right. She could handle everything. Because Jerry had come in through the front door, it was unlocked. And just as my dad was getting closer to the porch, my mom said to Jerry again, please just go out the back door so he doesn't see you. So Jerry reluctantly left and he walked back to his own house. And just then my dad let himself in. He had his suitcase with him. So it did look like he was fixing to leave town. But still, he shouldn't have been in or even near our house. And just as I had figured, it was a big, huge mistake to give my dad that money. He didn't have a job interview out of state, and even if he did, he didn't have any intentions of going to it. Right before my dad opened the door, I started coming down the stairs because I saw my dad coming from the upstairs window. My mom quickly told me, just act normal, act nice, act happy to see your dad, okay? And I just nodded as he let himself in. And I said, hey, dad. And that's when he unzipped his suitcase and pulled out a gun. He used the money that my mom gave him to purchase it. I started to try to go back up the stairs, but he yelled at me to come down and to sit on the couch. And he ordered my mom to sit down too, but not next to me. For the next several hours, it was this back and forth between my mom and my dad, him wanting to fix their relationship, that he wanted another chance to prove himself that he wanted her to get those charges against him dropped so that he could get a job. And my mom, she assured him that they could talk things out, but not while he had a gun pointed at us, not while yelling and screaming and trying to scare her into taking him back. She also tried telling him that he couldn't be there in the house, 
that he was going to get in even more trouble and that it would be out of her hands if he did. But my dad just wasn't listening. They went around in circles a million times, it seemed like, and they weren't getting anywhere. I don't even know what my dad expected to happen next, which is why I started becoming afraid that he was maybe going to kill us and maybe even himself too. The next thing that my dad wanted was the gun that he thought that my mom had gotten back from Jerry. She told him that she didn't have it, but at first he didn't believe her. And my dad asked me where the gun was and I told him that we didn't get the gun back because we were afraid to have it in the house. Neither one of us really knows how to use it or to even handle a gun. And my dad said that nobody was going anywhere or doing anything until he got his gun back. And my mom said, okay, that she thought she would be able to get the gun back. Just let her give Jerry a call to see if he could drop it off on the porch or something. And my dad said, okay, call him. And if I see one single cop show up at this house, that he was going to shoot me. My mom went into the kitchen and called. Bobby answered the phone. And I heard my mom say, my husband is here right now. He has a gun. He wants the gun back that he left in Jerry's car. Please don't call the police or else he's going to kill me. And then she hung up. Bobby immediately told Jerry about my mom's phone call and what she'd said about my dad, about him wanting the gun back, and that he has another gun and he's threatening her. Jerry immediately picked up the phone to call 911, but Bobby told him that they can't call the cops, that he was going to shoot my mom, but Jerry said just let him handle it. Jerry explained to the 911 dispatcher that he believed there was a possible situation going on at his neighbor's house that his neighbor lived there alone with her daughter, but she had been estranged from her husband since the beginning of the summer, that she had a restraining order against him, but he had shown up a few hours ago, and that she just called his house and told his wife that her husband was there and that he was threatening her with a gun and that he was demanding a gun back that he had confiscated from him a few months back because he was afraid he was going to use it against his wife. Jerry also explained that they were warned to not contact police or else he would kill her. Jerry also told the 911 dispatcher that I was in the house, that I was about eight or nine years old, but he didn't know if I was there or not. He was afraid that if police showed up with their lights and sirens on, that my dad would potentially harm us. The dispatcher instructed Jerry and Bobby to get into their car and to meet the police at a nearby corner that was out of sight from our house. The 911 dispatcher immediately understood this to be a hostage situation with a possible child involved. The dispatcher related to several officers who were patrolling the area that there was imminent danger to not use their lights and sirens and that the neighbors who made the call had been instructed to meet with them at the corner to provide them with as much details as possible. 
When the police met up with Jerry and Bobby, they pointed out which house was ours and explained what had been happening in recent months between my mom and my dad. From their vantage point, one of the officers used his binoculars for several minutes to see if they could see any sort of activity. There came a point when I was just getting so exhausted and thirsty that I had asked my dad if I could get a drink of water and he told me to go ahead. So I went into the kitchen and I got a glass and some ice and I turned the water on at the sink. As I listened to the faucet, I glanced over to the back door and decided to try to sneak out of it. Maybe the noise of the sink and the water running would be enough to give me time to get out the door and to run to Jerry and Bobby's. I was really afraid, but I had to try. So I quietly went to the door and I opened it. Just as I got a couple of steps out onto the deck, I felt my arm being grabbed and I was pulled back into the house. I tried pulling away from my dad, but I couldn't get him to let go. He slammed the door and yelled at me to sit back down. I wasn't quite ready to give up just yet. And by the way, the officer with the binoculars saw the whole thing. So they knew for sure that both me and my mom were inside the house. My mom and I had been sitting there on the couch for so long that I needed to go to the bathroom. But when I quietly said, Dad, he pointed his gun at me and told me to shut my mouth. I guess I'd blown my chances of being able to move from the couch anymore since my escape attempt out the back door. But this time, it was really an emergency. I could barely hold it anymore, but when he yelled and pointed his gun, I ended up wetting myself. I spoke up again and told him that I needed to change my clothes. He saw what had happened and he was irritated and exasperated with me. And he just said, go, just go change, just hurry up. I ran upstairs to my room and changed into some fresh clothes. I tried to think of what I could do next to help get my mom and myself out of this house and away from my dad. I remembered the extra phone line that we had hidden in my mom's room, but I was too afraid to try and go down the hall. I stared out my bedroom window for a minute, and that's when I saw one of my neighbors walking their dog. I thought maybe, maybe my dad would let me take the dog out to go to the bathroom. So I grabbed the leash and my dog and I came downstairs. I told my dad that the dog needed to go outside to go potty. And he was so angry and I just, I tried reminding him how much he hated it when she had accidents in the house. And if I didn't take her soon, she was going to have one. So my dad said, fine, take the dog out. But you better get your ass back in this house fast or else I'll shoot that dog. I hesitated for a moment. I was going to run, but if I did, would he shoot my mom? And then I thought, he might just shoot everybody anyway. So I had to take the chance. 
this was like one of those moments you have. Like when you're watching something on TV or in a movie and everything is moving in slow motion. This is what this sort of felt like. I felt my whole body go numb. And I could feel my heart pounding really hard as if it was going to explode. And it was as if I wasn't even in my own mind. Like I was someplace outside of myself watching myself doing this. I made my way over to the door. I could just feel my dad's gun just trained on my back or at my dog. I just knew it. I was clutching her leash so tightly that my whole hand was hurting. I heard my dad yelling another threat that he was going to shoot me if I wasn't back in two minutes. But his threat, it was like it just went right through me. Like for the first time in my life, I didn't care what he said or what he did. I just didn't care. I didn't care. I couldn't care. I put my hand on the doorknob and I turned it and I heard it click. And that sound that it made, that clicking sound, it like echoed into my ears and through my head. And to this day, I still love that sound. It's the sound of letting go of all of my fears so that I could set myself free. I had to tell myself the next time I hear that clicking sound, it's going to be when me and my mom can finally be home again. We're coming back and we're closing this door and we're going to be safe. I pulled the door open and the very last of the sunlight was still shining outside and the sun never felt so good on my skin. I stepped out onto the deck doing my best to stay steady because I thought that if I made any kind of sudden move or if I tripped or fell or something like that, that it would startle my dad and he would just open fire on me or my dog or my mom. I was looking down at the ground, making sure I watched where my feet were going. And then, when I looked up, standing there to my left and to my right, leaning up against the house, with all of these guns pointed directly at me, were five police officers. I could just feel that pounding in my chest course through my body. And as I looked at them, I took in a tremendously deep breath. I filled my lungs as much as I possibly could, as my immediate instinct was telling me to scream. But I stopped, and I stopped breathing. And I held that scream inside me while I stared into the barrel of the gun that was right next to me. I think the police stopped breathing too. Maybe their instincts were to shout out at me. But no, it wasn't that. The officer to my right, with a gun right in my face, he looked down at my dog, and then he looked back up at me. He was sure that my dog was going to bark at them because... That's what dogs do. They bark at strangers. 
That's what my dog does. But for some reason, somehow, some way, it didn't happen. Not this time. My dog knew better. She knew that we were in trouble. She knew that these strangers outside in the backyard were there to help us. And not only did she not bark, she actually wagged her tail at the officers. And when one of them called her over to him, she obeyed. And I followed her. And with one of the officers, he put his arm around me. And we quietly but quickly made our way to safety. The rest of the officers continued standing out in the backyard, pressed up against the house. And they waited again because they figured that my dad was going to come looking for me very soon. Fortunately, my dad continued yelling. So the officers were able to listen to what he was saying. Eventually, he cursed me. He cursed my name, yelling, where is that kid? Telling my mom to stay put or else he would shoot me. The officers listened as he came walking towards the door. And I bet you anything, it was like in slow motion for them too, as it was for me. My dad violently threw the back door open. He stepped out onto the deck and he found those same officers that I found with those same guns pointed directly at him too. And just like me, my dad stood there in stunned silence. The same officer who called my dog over calmly ordered my dad to drop his weapon, which he did. Then he ordered him to step away from the gun, which he did. Then he ordered him to get down on the ground, which he did. He was placed in handcuffs again, just like they had at the hospital, and took him back to jail. When the officers came inside to speak to my mom and me, she thanked them profusely, told them how grateful she was that they were there. We weren't exactly sure how all of this was going to end, but my dad had been at this for hours, and I just told the officer that I just couldn't take the yelling anymore. He kept telling us that he was going to shoot us, that he was going to shoot my mom and my dog. So... I found a way to get my dad to let me go outside so I can meet the police officers out there. All that time, the police had thought that they were being really sneaky and secretive about being at our house. So they wanted to know how I figured it out that they were there. And I told them that when I went upstairs to change my clothes, I saw like three or four of their patrol cars parked over at the corner a little ways up the street. And I figured that they were someplace nearby. So I was just going to start running towards the cars that were parked there and maybe I would be able to find an officer. I just needed a way for my dad to let me out of the house. So I thought I would tell him that the dog needed to be taken out to go potty and he let me go outside. I just didn't expect all of the officers to be standing at the back door, which is why I froze. I was so afraid that my dad would come to the door 
and see all of them standing there and start shooting at everybody. But he didn't. And everybody went home safe that night. All of the officers that helped us, our neighbors, Bobby and Jerry, me, my mom, and my dog. My dad didn't get to go home, but at least he was safe too. Because those officers could have shot him. My dad ended up not doing a whole lot of time, even with all of those threats and all of the yelling that he did and not letting me and my mom leave our house. He did leave us alone after that, thankfully. And he did end up moving to Missouri, like he said he was going to for that job that he had been telling my mom about, which is what I wish he would have done in the first place. I did look him up once, many, many years later, you know, being with the internet and the social media having come along in the decades since I last saw him on that day that he was arrested. And I found him. I found out that he got remarried in 1985 and that they had a son. Unfortunately, I was reading about my dad in his 2011 obituary and my name was listed among those he was survived by right next to my grandparents and my great-grandmother imagine that both of my grandparents and my great-grandmother outlived my dad i thought about reaching out to my half-brother i didn't even though he existed until I found my dad's obituary. But then again, my half-brother has known that I've existed for a long time now and has yet to make the effort. So, I guess I'll just let it be.